Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, hello, hello. I'm your host, Dr. Abby Metcalf, coming at you with the Relationships Made Easy podcast. You should know what you're listening to at this point. This is episode 64. Some of you might have noticed that I've taken out the introduction of the guy, like, you know, swinging me in. <laughs> I was thinking, less is more, right? Like, why have the extra layer? You all know I'm here. Uh, if people, if you're missing the intro, or if you want, you think I should have a new intro, or if you want to record my intro, let me know. And, and I'm open. It'll be cool. Actually, that could be kind of cool to have one of you record it. Um, <laughs> you could uh, email me at abby at abbymetcalf.com and, and we'll talk about it. I think that'd be kind of fun. Anyway, uh, but now I'm making it longer by babbling at you. So I don't know what we save by me, me not uh, doing the intro anymore, but here you go. So today I'm, I'm, I'm always really excited, aren't I? But I really, really am. Today I'm excited about how five minutes of mindfulness a day can make your relationship great. I am coming at you with it. It's going to be good. So if you've been listening, you know, I started my back to relationship basics mission last month. And my goal is to give you some key tools and education that you need and break them down into small wins so you can build momentum and hope and change your relationship for the long term. I used to have um, my podcast sort of just jam packed with, you know, 15 tips for this and 10 ways to do this. And, <laughs> and uh, some of the feedback I got from folks was like, wow, it'd be really good to just go a little deeper into specific areas, you know, things I could really integrate um, in small ways. And, and people were feeling a bit overwhelmed with all of it. And I can understand that. I just, you know, I start researching and I've been doing all this stuff with clients for so long. And I, I do, I get excited. It's real. Those of you who know me know it's real. Um, and so, yeah, I, I love the feedback. Thank you. Thank you. Really appreciate that. Cause that's the whole reason I'm here babbling into this mic alone in my office is because <laughs> I want to help folks. And so breaking it down, I think is great. And we've gotten some awesome feedback on last month's podcast where I was focusing on competition and, uh, thank you all for all the love around my Ted talk again. Uh, by the time you're listening to it, to this, it should be out soon and I'll link to it when it is. Um, so this month, as I said, it's going to be all about mindfulness and self-awareness. And because without it, none of the great tools I teach will work. They don't work. If you're not mindful and self-aware, you won't remember to use them. That's what happens. Three hours later, you'll go, oh, I should have said this, or I could have done that, or why did I do this? And so I'm going to help you stop ever having to say that again. That That's, that's the goal. And You've definitely, you've, you know, I'm telling the truth. You've done this before. You've made changes, you've done things, and then they haven't stuck. And, and this is really kind of why, because you have to have these basics. So again, last month was all about competition and how to stop competing and eliminating it and keeping score. And this month we're getting into the nitty gritty of mindfulness and self-awareness. So, uh, and then next month, giving you a little teaser, 
I'm going to, then I'm going to jump into communication tools because that's a great back to basic, right? So next month you'll get some communication, good goodies, um, because you'll be ready. You'll have done this other work and you'll really be ready to use those tools well. So, um, and I have said it before, you've heard me, uh, mindfulness and self-awareness are the most important thing in your relationship. I've done a previous podcast on like the four reasons why self-awareness is the most important thing in your relationship. This is going to go way deeper, expound, get bigger on mindfulness and all that. So, um, but you know, when you learn the tools and concepts I'm going to be teaching this month, you'll be able to drastically change your daily happiness level and greatly improve your connection with yourself, your partner, everybody else. So I'm going to have, and I'm going to have a great download available for you um, also at the end of the podcast. So you can really practice what you're going to learn today in just a few minutes a day, all week, as promised in the title. And uh, you can go to the show notes, abbymedkef.com forward slash podcast. This is episode 64. Or, uh, you know, you can get it off the blog post if you rather, you know, if you want to go over there and look at it there. Everywhere I'm going to have this download. So that's the good news, but you can get it right after you're done listening. Don't do it while you're driving. And um, (laughs) so before we get to all that good stuff, all the good stuff I'm promising, I have two quickies. Uh, One is I want to ask pretty, pretty please, if you haven't left to leave an honest review of the podcast, if you have not done that, it really helps. I'm not going to go on and on about it. You know why it helps. I've told you. So uh, please, I I, I know it can feel like a pain in the ass sometimes, but it's really not. It just takes a few minutes. Anywhere that you download the podcast, you can leave a review. Just if you could say one line or two about why the podcast is special, why do you take your time out to listen to me? Uh, it would just mean the world to me. I can't thank you enough. And, uh, the second thing I want to do, you know, I do a little listener highlight. This is a real quickie and this is a little different today because this is someone who sent me an email and I just, you know, I have my weekly newsletter. If you're not on it, I don't know what you're waiting for. Uh, it's really fun where I, you know, share all my personal stories, but also, you know, I kind of, I do teaches, I do all kinds of stuff in the newsletter. I really love my newsletter and, uh, it comes out just once a week, but Uh, Beth T, you know who you are. Hi, Beth. She sent me just, you know, this really quick email with literally two lines and it meant so much. I don't know why it just really hit me in a wonderful way. And I thanked her by email, but I'm thanking her now too. And she just said, you know, for what I said in the newsletter, she said, oh, this is so wonderful and so true. See, now you know, you want to look, get the newsletter so you can know all these wonderful things I say that are so true. <laughs> um, and she said, good luck tomorrow. Cause this was the day before my, ta- my Ted talk. Uh, you'll be great, which just felt really good when I got it. And she said, I've been extra appreciative of your emails these last six months or so. So thank you with tons of exclamation points. And, you know, it's why I do what I do when I get these little emails. I'm, you know, just are these, uh, when people leave reviews or anything else, I read every single one. I respond all over the place. It just, it means a lot that I'm not just talking out into the air. So there you go. All right, let's jump in without further ado. You don't want to keep hanging around. So first, I need to explain the difference between self-awareness and mindfulness. That's number one. You know, I tend to use these terms uh, synonymously, and they're really not. And it is important uh, to to just understand the difference, even though I'll probably continue to interchange them. uh, But just understand that there really is a difference because I get this a lot. People will tell me, well, I'm very self-aware, but the problem is they're not actually mindful. So just being one without the other isn't really getting us all the where we need want to go. So I'm really going to be focusing on how to be more mindful overall. 
Um, and which will help you be more self-aware for sure. But mindful is really going to be the, the focus. So here's the deal. Awareness isn't always mindful, but mindfulness is always self-aware. That's kind of how you do this. I know it sounds weird, but so I think of self-awareness as more kind of a meta thing. It's more head-based. It's more intellectual. It's, and I see mindfulness is more in the moment and heart-based. So not meta, you know, but in the moment, not that, not that 30,000 foot view, but smaller. So self-awareness to me is all about consciously being aware of our feelings, our agendas, and you know, trying to bring those to the surface somehow, right? To the surface of your awareness, being self-aware, understanding, you know, that you're why, why you do what you do kind of thing. And it's similar to mindfulness in that you become, in both ways, you become aware of your thoughts and your feelings and your thought and your desires and things like that. But it's really, self-awareness is really a bigger process of getting to know yourself and figuring out your blind spots, right? Isn't that, when I think of self-awareness, I think of all my blind spots and how I want to uncover those so I'm not doing things that I don't realize I'm doing. <laughs> um, so when we're self-aware, to me, we're ferreting out, we're ferreting out kind of what what we do and don't like about ourselves and our interactions. So there's judgment involved, right? So I'll maybe do something and go, oh, I don't really like that I do that. Um, and so I'll, tr- I'll take it upon myself to change it. Um, and the best way I know to get better at self-awareness for sure is to ask more questions um, and to listen better, you know, really listen to what people say, their body language, everything. And, so getting feedback from others, right, is invaluable in deepening our self-awareness. That's, that's really, I think, one of the main things. And, but it's not, that's not true for getting better at being mindful because mindfulness is different. Now, mindfulness is all about having these moment-to-moment aware, awarenesses of our thoughts, um, our feelings, and the key here is to have them non-judgmentally. And again, I, I feel like self-awareness, there's a, a form of judgment. It doesn't have to be mean or anything with your self-awareness, but, you, but you're judging in some way because you're saying, wow, I, I do this or I don't do that. Or, and there's usually, it's, it's indicative of something you want to change or you want to shift. Whereas mindfulness, you're seeing, you're just seeing them in the moment and you don't judge them. You accept them. Actually, that's the whole big thing with mindfulness is there's this self-acceptance. And uh, it doesn't mean that, again, you don't, shift that into the self-awareness and then stop the behavior or start a behavior or whatever. It just means that that's not what's happening in the moment with mindfulness. So when we're mindful, again, we're accepting our thoughts and feelings without judging them. There's no right or wrong way, you know, to think or feel in a given moment. That's kind of what mindfulness is about. When we practice it, our thoughts are honed in on what's happening right now. So there's no looking back. There's no looking forward. It's just in the exact moment of time that you're in. So self-awareness, again, is about knowing myself and figuring myself out, while mindfulness is about consciously directing my awareness to be in the present moment. That's really the whole thing of mindfulness. That's it. And again, doing that will make me more self-aware. Um, but just because I'm self-aware doesn't, doesn't mean that. So I believe the vast majority of the issues you have with your partner are because you're not being mindful, even though you might be self-aware. So I can give myself as an example, I am self-aware that I have a big tendency (laughs) towards being controlling. You all know this about me. I talk about it, right? 
I'm super self-aware. I'm painfully self-aware about how controlling I can be and this trait I have. However, even though I'm self-aware, I still catch myself being controlling. And that's where the mindfulness helps so that uh, many times I can feel this like kind of feeling come on. There's a heat almost to it for me at this point that I can feel. And I can sort of relax into that and just, it's, it's noticing it. And through my uh, meditation practice and through teachers, I've learned to sort of, uh, the, the image I like is to see it like a cloud going by. It's like a cloud kind of going by. <laughs> Doesn't have to look like a dark cloud. And I can notice it and be like, oh yeah, there's that. Wow. Yeah. I was feeling kind of afraid or I felt sort of threatened or defensive. Hmm. You know, where's that from? Or what can I do with that? You know, and I, and again, it's tied to that self-awareness, but it's different, but there are definitely times when I do not notice and I, and I end up doing it. So not always my favorite. Um, so when we think about, uh, all, when you're thinking about self-awareness, it's all about when I'm consciously aware of how I'm feeling and what I'm thinking in a moment, again, I, I can notice them rise up. And for me also, it's like taking a breath and not acting on them. I'm, tr- I'm trying to just say, I should have written all this down first, sorry, but I'm trying to, trying to just be clear about it. So, and I'm able to redirect my thoughts back to the moment where everything's actually okay. So just because my partner's saying something that hit me wrong, maybe um, in that moment, I can realize we're fine. We're standing here. I love this person. It's okay. He's not attacking me. No lion is about to eat me. He's not acting like my mother. (laughs) I don't need to be mad at him. He's not purposely trying to get me or whatever. Uh, You can let all that go. So Again, it means being mindful means I deliberately direct my attention and get off autopilot and any negative judging thoughts. So instead, I allow myself to be, you know, really present and connected to whatever's happening in the moment. And that's where vulnerability lives, which means that's where intimacy lives, deeper connection. That's why mindfulness to me is so important. And again, self-aware, I can be very self-aware, but be very distant from people still. Like I know I'm doing this, that's fine, but I'm not like, I'm not coming down into something where there's a vulnerability. Uh, Sometimes I am, don't get me wrong. Sometimes with self-awareness I am, but not always. Whereas when I'm being mindful, there's always that open door there um, that really changes things in a moment. And uh, and it's really important. And I'll tell you, sometimes it happens with... um, to really great effect with my clients when I'm in the room with them. Um, and this happened recently. I had a client who was talking and I realized that I was like, Oh, I, I was feeling, um, I noticed I was feeling kind of like bored, bored isn't the right word, but like, it wasn't, it wasn't, it was kind of boring. Like, I don't know if that's the right thing to say. I, I, I don't have the right word for it, but, but I said it out loud. So I said to him, I said, you know, as you're talking, um, I'm sorry. And I was with a couple, the two of them, and he was talking. And I said, you know, as you're talking, I'm noticing that I'm kind of, I'm having trouble like staying on your words. I'm feeling kind of distant. It, it's starting to get very like facts and you're going on and like, and he's a lovely man and very, and, and his, but his wife popped in. She said, wow, that happens to me. I, I and then he, then he'll ask me a question at some point. I realize I've checked out and I, and I don't know the answer to the question. And then, you know, I don't know what he asked. Then he gets upset and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so we started to really talk about it. And I said, well, what do you think that is? You know, I, I'm not your wife. I don't have any personal issues with you. You know, I actually, I really like you actually. So 
why do you think that is? And he's, and we, as we talked, you know, it didn't happen right away, but we really started to notice that he does, he starts to intellectualize as a means of separating, as a means of distancing himself when things get really close and intimate. And he starts going into this kind of, um, uh, you know, mode, he calls it lawyer mode. He's not a lawyer. And I don't think all lawyers do this. But anyway, he calls it kind of lawyer mode where he sort of gets into the facts and he starts talking. And, and, you know, just by me saying that, and his that his wife was able to talk, and we did in a really loving way, there wasn't, you know, and he he was so receptive, I think, because of that intention, because of the way I was talking to him. And his wife was able to see how I was modeling it and also do it. And so we ended up coming up with some strategies for them for when she starts to feel that. But again, she has to be mindful that it's happening so she can say something. Um, And then his job, of course, is to try to be mindful not to do it. But it's, it's very hard to expect your partner to be perfect or for you to be perfect. So it's nice if you're both trying something so that if, you know, one of you doesn't get it, maybe the other one will. And again, some of you out there listening have a partner who's not willing to do anything. So I will say, all right, just do your best to be as mindful as you can in those moments and to then speak to it. It's a, it's a really wonderful thing. And again, we had ended up having a very deep connection off of this conversation. All right. So the big problem is that we tend to be on autopilot all day, right? And we don't realize it. We're on autopilot all the time. I I do talk about this. Our minds are somewhere else and not on whatever we're actually doing. So the, and the research shows that this is what makes us unhappy, not our partners, not the traffic, not our bosses, but this mind wandering. And I'm going to jump into, I've mentioned him before on the podcast, but I'm going to mention him again right now. Um, this research by, uh, it's epic, by uh, someone named uh, Matt Killingsworth, PhD. If you haven't seen his TED Talk yet, you really want to. It's, he's amazing. He's a Robert Wood Johnson health and society scholar. Doesn't that sound really impressive? He's like a Harvard grad. He, he's got all the paper. But what I like is that he's he's got the goods. His research is amazing. And he's he studies the causes of happiness. He studies kind of the nature of happiness, the causes of happiness. And if you, he, and Anyway, he he's his research the the big and what his TED talk is about is this very large research uh, uh, study he did where he collected over get this six hundred and fifty thousand real time reports of people's mood from over fifteen thousand people. Okay, just this is a very big what we call an N, the number that's being used for the research. This is beautiful, huge number. And this, what I love is that this wasn't just a great study because the numbers were big. This was also a super diverse group. There, people had a wide range of ages. I think it was like 15 to 80 or something or 18 to 80, something like that. It was, it was a very wide range of ages, uh, income levels, education levels, marital statuses. I mean, they represented every one of the 86 occupational categories and spanned over 80 countries. How do you like that? So when I'm talking what we call robust research, I love this. And here's what he found as he was studying people's quote unquote, like the nature and the causes of happiness. They found that um, because he was linking it to this whole idea of when our minds wander, does it make us happy or unhappy? Like what happens with that? And number one, he found that our minds wander a lot. <laughs> About 47% of the time, I've said this again before on the podcast, but we're going here now because I'm going to link it back to something different today. 
And it, so our minds wander from a high of about 65% when we're doing sort of rote things, you know, washing your hair, brushing your teeth, that kind of stuff. I'm sure making your morning coffee. Um, to about 50% of the time when you're at work, your mind is wandering about 50% of the time you're at work, about 40% of the time when you're exercising and about 10% of the time when you're having sex. (laughs) I, I always hate to think of my partner's mind wandering at all during sex, but okay. Um, so here, and and I'm going to quote Killingsworth right here. He says, mind wandering isn't just frequent, it's ubiquitous. It pervades everything we do. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. So, but how does all this relate to your happiness? So great, our minds are wandering. So what? So what, Abby? So what, Matt? Um, He found that people are substantially less happy when their minds are wandering than when they're not. Okay, substantially. In fact, how often your mind wanders and what you think about when it does predicts your happiness far more far more than how much money you make or how much sex you're having or all kinds of other little factors. So it's really huge. Now, he found that people are less happy when they're mind wandering, no matter what they're doing. That's the other amazing thing. So for example, he, you know, we know people don't like commuting, right? To work. Who likes commuting? Nobody. It's always listed as one of the least enjoyable activities when, when they do this kind of thing. But yet he found that people are substantially happier when they're focused only on their commute than when their mind is wandering off to something else. And he found that the pattern holds for every single activity he measured in his research, even if people were mind wandering onto happy things, which is way more rare, by the way, we tend to mind wander onto negative, but that's, isn't this amazing? So when your mind's wandering, you're just less, less happy overall. So, so stopping all the mind wandering and being mindful, right? Being in your moments will absolutely make you happier. So that's for sure. But what about your part, your relationship, you know? So that's nice, Abby. So I'll be happier in the moment if I do this. What about my partnership? Well, there's actually been a bunch of studies showing that being more mindful equates to happier relationships, So there was a huge, um, like a meta-analysis, you know, where they look at tons of studies in 2016, and it found that the higher levels of mindfulness predict happier, more satisfying relationships, and that people, and they also looked at, so people who do fight, uh, do argue in the relationship, they found that they recover better, that the fights are less um, damaging and less intense. And they, and they, again, they recover, they get over them much quicker when the people in the couple, at least one of them are practicing mindfulness. So 
I mean, come on, that's pretty huge, right? Getting mindful is really something that can totally change your life and change the game. Again, being mindful, meaning practicing this idea of being in your moment, noticing what you're feeling, noticing what your thoughts are, non-judgmentally, being in it and really being connected to yourself and what's going on. So there's a lot of big benefits to being mindful and in a in your relationship that I have found over my own work with people over these last many decades. Um, and very specifically, as I kind of track people in my prog in my, in my practice and, um, you know, do that kind of thing. And again, look at the research and what, what I find the most is that couples report fewer arguments and I think it's because when you're mindful, you have less miscommunications and misunderstandings, which means less arguments. When you're mindful, that's that's how great that is. You're in the moment. You're really uh, noticing what's getting said. You're hearing. You're giving your full attention. So it helps you notice when you're reacting to something they're saying. Um, it, but it also helps you remember what they're saying so you can follow up. You know, if you're distracted and you're doing something else or thinking about something else, and your partner is talking, of course, you don't remember everything they said. And you might not even be looking at them. So you're missing all the visual cues, all the body language, which is huge. And so all those things add up to people feeling upset. And for sure, people feel upset when they don't feel really listened to, right? If, if you say something to your partner, and they kind of half half asset, you know, and they got, they get a, a portion of it. We end up feeling kind of hurt and we react from that place. And again, that's, um, that's, you know, all the fodder for arguments right there. Those are, that's like throwing gasoline on the fire. And so really when you're mindful, you are, can be in your moment noticing that you're reacting to something and then not do it. I know it's so exciting. You can, instead of again, having that conversation in your head hours later of like, oh, I should have said this. I could have said this. Or, oh, why did I say that? Instead of that, you can actually just say it, not say it, do it, not do it. You can actually in the moment <laughs> because you're realizing what's happening. And it also uh, leads to what I'm, the second benefit, I think, which is big. And uh, these, I have three benefits overall that I see the most, um, the fewer arguments, but also this and they're all linked to me. Um, but also this less resentment. I think resentment is one of those things, boy, really eats at relationships, you know, where we just, especially when we feel like uh, our partner is misunderstanding us, not appreciating, you know, didn't listen. I hear that one a lot. I've done whole podcasts on it, you know, what to do if you don't feel heard in your relationship, or you don't feel like your partner listens to you. So, uh, or if your partner's telling you, that you don't listen to them, whatever that is, it comes up a lot and it comes up a lot, a lot for a reason. So when we're mindful, we're giving our partner our full attention and nothing, 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 nothing feels better than that. It is the greatest gift you can give to another human. I've said it before, I'll say it again, is giving them your full undivided attention. Nothing feels like you're just basking in the glow. You know, when you put down your stuff and you just really focus on them, uh, you are just basking in the glow. It feels uh, so, so good. And our partners, because of that, when they we really feel fully present and connected, so the resentment takes a back seat. And again, I see it over and over again. It's amazing. So having fewer arguments, less resentment, which means more connection, 
uh, more appreciation, more love, more fulfillment, more harmony, uh, more equanimity, more, uh, it means more, more, more of all these good, good things. It's incredible. And then the last thing, which is huge for everybody is, and the research backs me up on this in, in multiple ways that you will have better overall emotional regulation. And what do we mean by emotional regulation? Well, it's your ability to regulate your emotions. But again, so what is that? It's uh, so for some folks, it's the ability not to, um, you know, get uh, explode and, and, and get defensive and, you know, have that kind of stimulus response kind of thing. We, we think that a lot. Well, someone walked by me and hit my shoulder really hard. So of course I'm going to get angry. Well, no, it's not. Of course, some people don't, you know, nobody likes it. I, I don't think anyone goes, Ooh, yay. Someone knocked into me, but how angry you get or whether that really spills over or anything is all up to you. It's all up to you. And so when, what happens in arguments, you know, I always like the brain chemistry <laughs> parts of things, but here's is what happens. So when there's times when our partner will say something and because we're not being mindful, we see it as a threat, some sort of threat. It could be that your partner says something to you like, um, hey, how come uh, we don't, uh, we didn't decorate the, our house the way Joan does, you know, Joan decorates really nice and she has three kids like we do, but they, they have much nicer stuff in their house. How come, how come ours isn't like that? Could be something really casual like that. Right. And yet you start to get defensive because you're being compared to Joan and what Joan's doing. And it means then that something is lacking in what you're doing and you're being attacked and you'll see that as an actual attack. And remember, that's when this part of the brain called the amygdala, that's in charge of our fear and aggression, gets gets lit up and that's all of your fight, flight or freeze. That's that part of the brain and your brain literally gets hijacked. So this fear part of your brain gets hijacked and you go into that and you get defensive, you say things you don't mean, maybe you shut down, maybe you leave the room in a huff, any of those wonderful things, right? So literally that's where the emotional regulation isn't good. Now, what we've seen from the research is that regular mindful practice, I'm going to talk about that next, but how to, if you regularly practice mindfulness, it actually shrinks this response. So it shrinks the response from the amygdala. So you don't react as strongly. You're able to act, not react, right? What does re mean? I say this all the time. <laughs> it means again. So you're acting again. So something old, you know, to act in the moment, to have that pause button, that's where your free will lives. Your free will lives in, there's a stimulus and your response, but there's free will in between. There's a little space in there and you want to really exaggerate that space as much as possible. You want to really float in that space of choice of, well, I don't have to just go off on my partner because they said something I don't like, um, or I don't have to just run away or stuff the feeling or whatever is your immediate response. I could actually choose something else. So what happens again is you can kind of see the upsetting emotions or thoughts with it's, it's like there's more distance, more less attachment to them. Um, so you develop this ability to not react to every emotion or thought you have. And that's really what emotional regulation is. You built, you develop this ability not to react in the moment, uh, so strongly, but to notice it, to see what's there. And then you can make a decision about it. Um, and sometimes you just might be noticing, wow, I'm feeling some tightness in my chest or, oh, my, my 
I, my, I just clenched my stomach muscles or my, oh, wow, I raised my shoulders. They feel really tense. Uh, any of those things, that's all, you know, your fight, flight, or freeze response. It's all about your brain getting hijacked in that moment. And so to think more clearly, to, to calm and to really go, oh, well, you know, that this, I'm, I'm assigning all this meaning to what this person's saying and my partner's saying, and I don't have to do that. It's not, it's not a must. So to me, that's probably the biggest benefit of mindfulness is this emotional regulation. And I have to tell you, nothing makes you feel stronger, more confident, more energized, more hopeful than when you're in control of your emotions in a wonderful way, not in the way of I'm controlling, but in the way of I'm choosing. I'm choosing the response I'm going to have. I'm choosing what's next. So it doesn't mean, you know, if you're mind, I'm mindful, I get mad. I, I mean, it's not like it takes away every emotion. It doesn't, you don't become just some sort of like milk toast, but it again, allows you space to feel the emotion in a true way. So of course things make me sad or upset or angry or happy or whatever it is. It can be great emotions too, but there's more depth to them. There's more connection to them. There's uh, and and that under and understanding of them and all of that are the really great great benefits of being more mindful. So again, being non-judgmental and in your moment. That's it. Just knowing your thoughts and stuff in the moment, non-judgmentally. So I'm gonna have a, a wonderful little download you can get by going, coming on over to abbymedcalf.com forward slash podcast. I'll tell you about it right now, like I always do, but uh, a lot of you I know drive uh, when you're listening or doing other things. So you can just grab this later. And I really would love you to because you can then put it on your refrigerator. It'll be a great reminder to have something visual uh, because we can forget, you know, how we forget stuff. So having a visual reminder can be a really great thing. Um, so there's a uh, two steps to a mindful, awesome relationship. That's what I'm calling this. <laughs> and this is, again, what isn't going to take a lot of time. So number one, um, so, well, let me say this before I get too far. So we're going to learn more about how to make mindfulness a habit in next week's podcast. Like I'm going to get really nitty gritty, but for this week, again, I want you to have a small win each week. I want you to already be working on things each week without um, feeling overwhelmed. Just two quick things, you know, little wins, right? So I want you to do one specific mindfulness activity each day, okay, for this next week. And and maybe even just do it on your work days if you want. Like maybe take the weekend off if you feel like it. I don't care. Every day be nice. But, and here's what I want you to do. I want you to take a few seconds, close your eyes, take a deep breath and set an intention to be fully present with your partner, okay? And I want you to do this a few times over the course of the day. I want you to do it when you first wake up. Again, you're gonna just, you know, wake up, the alarm goes off, you sit up in bed, always sit up, don't go back to sleep, <laughs> sit up in bed, take a, you know, yawn, stretch, whatever, and then literally set that and take a deep breath and set an intention to be fully present with your partner for the rest of the day. That's it. Just say my intention, say it in your mind out loud, however you want it. My intention is to be fully present with my partner today. That's it. All you got to do. And then go on with your day. And because what we're doing is we're activating a part of the brain that's going to remind us to be present with our partners. And then what I'd like you to do is before you eat lunch, I'd like you to do the same thing. Close your eyes, take a breath and set an intention to be mindful with your partner for the rest of the day. 
Okay. Now the day is now shorter, but, <laughs> and again, you might not see your partner, your partner might've already been gone for work when you woke up and did this. I don't care. Trust me, the mindfulness matters because you guys text during the day. Maybe someone's going to call you. You have interactions. So I want you to be mindful for, of them. And you are thinking all day in your head. Sometimes maybe you're thinking about that fight you had last week or how unfair it is that there's something you have to do and not them. And you're forgetting all my don't keep score stuff. <laughs> so when you're mindful, having that intention to be mindful, it takes care of that too. Your partner does not have to be in the room for you to be mindful of them. Okay. So, so don't have that. So I want you to do it when you first wake up, second, you turn off the alarm right before you eat lunch. If for some reason, crazy reason you don't eat lunch, what's wrong with you? Eat lunch. It's healthy. Whatever mid afternoon snack you have or coffee or tea, whatever that is, I want you to do it then. And then right before you're going to see your partner at the end of the day. So whatever the end of the day is, um, if your partner's away on a business trip, you can do it before you're going to have your conversation at night. You know, usually you're going to talk at night. Uh, but I want there to be like, so if you're at home, when they come home, then right then when you hear the garage door, or you, you know, they're, they're, whatever, you know, you know, when they're getting home, the dogs start barking, you know, right then just again, take that breath, close your eyes, set an intention. That's it, you know, to, to really be fully present with your partner. Um, but I want you to really, or if you're the one who's coming home, same thing, you know, like stop in the car or when you're walking up to the house or whatever, and just take that. It takes seconds, people, seconds. I want you to do this. All right. Um, and that's it. So that's your, that's your little, that's one step to a mindful, awesome relationship. And then the second thing I, I, I'm going to offer is, and you can do both of these or either of these. Okay. So both or either. The other one is to not multitask at all when you're communicating with your partner, okay? Don't multitask at all when you're communicating with your partner. I don't care if it's a text, a phone call, an in-person chat, an email. I don't care what the communication is with your partner. Do not do anything else when you do it. So stop whatever you're doing. Bring yourself fully in the present, fully in the moment, and then communicate, okay? So don't, no multitasking, no talking to the kids. You know, the kids are asking you a question and your partner's asking you a question. Nope, you're going to stop. Say, wait, wait, don't finish that sentence yet. Hold on one second, finish with your children and then go over. Whatever it is, if you're walking the dog and they're pulling on you, you know, I want you to, if you're brushing your teeth, stop, 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 whatever it is and just give them your full attention. And if you can't in the moment for whatever reason, just say to them, wait, wait, hold that thought then finish what you're doing and, you know, quickly and then get back to them. So I want you to have full attention. And if you catch yourself in the middle of it, and you will, <laughs> you're going to catch yourself in the middle of a communication with your partner and you were multitasking, just stop then, stop then. And, you know, just stop doing it. Now, one, a wonderful thing to do is to out yourself to your partner and tell them, hey, I'm not going to multitask at all when you're communicating with me. So if you see me doing it, please give me a gentle, create a signal between the two of you, something gentle and loving, not something like, oh, you said you weren't going to do it. You know, nothing scolding, nothing to catch you. This isn't about that. This is about uh, maybe do something fun, like make have them kiss you on the eyes or something. I don't know, like something that'll just, you know, um, or you can always use a word, you know, guys know I like that, you know, use some funny word like glitter or something to call your attention to the fact that you are multitasking. Um, but when you out yourself, it really can help. And by the way, you don't ask it of your partner. 
Okay. You don't say to them, oh, we're not going to multitask when we talk to each other. You just do it. You model it. You lead. And trust me, your partner will eventually follow suit if you stick with this. It, it happens all the time. So, uh, and if you are caught in something where you're noticing that your partner is not stopping what they're doing when you're trying to talk to them about something and you, you know, and again, you're not judgmentally noticing the irritation, I would just really offer that in a very loving way. You say to them, hey, I see you're busy. Um, I really want to talk to you about X or Y. Let me know when you're totally free. You know, and just in a loving way, for whatever reason, they don't, you know, they're not where you are, that people are not always where we are. So we, we want to, and the, the best way for them to get where we are is for where we are to look super attractive is where, if where we are looks cold and threatening and yucky and mean and stifling, no one's going to want to come over here. But if where you are seems loving and open and where there's lots of good sex and fun, <laughs> trust me, people want to come. <laughs> so, uh, you know, when, when you shine bright, your partner is attracted to you like a moth to the flame. I say it all the time. So that's what you want to do. Okay. So as promised in today's title, all of this will take about five minutes a day, but will bring major great changes to your relationship as you do it consistently. And that's what I want you focusing on this week. Just this really small thing, really small win, make it happen. Again, you can do one or the other or both. Uh, it's not a big deal. I just, I, I always, you know, I can't stop myself from giving at least two options because I just find that people like, you know, not everybody's going to like one. I want you to at least have two. So pick one, um, pick both if you want, but you do not need to be an overachiever on this. You can just do one. <laughs> and that's it for today. Again, come on over to uh, abbymcf.com forward slash podcast. This is episode 64 and get your um, download for the two steps to a mindful, awesome relationship and uh, leave your review when you get a chance. And that's it. I love you all. It was great spending time and we'll talk again real soon. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to the Relationships Made Easy podcast at www.abbymedcalf.com.